You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, your digital home for online gaming excitement, including casino, live dealer, lottery instance, and sport betting. Sign up today at PlayAlberta.ca. Only been uh, eight winning streaks of six-plus games this year, and the orders have two of them, the eight-gamer, which is season high, and the uh, six-gamer that they're currently riding. And if you look at their schedule, man, like easily orders going eight and two the rest of the month won't be a surprise to me. At all. Hey, have they can go seven and three, which is five years, seven and three in every 10 games. It's a really good stretch of 10 games. And they do that. And all of a sudden they're, they're 21 and six over a 27 game span. Yeah, it is very easy when you look ahead at who's coming up on the schedule here in the month to see how they could rattle things off. And I mean, not even just get back into a playoff spot, Griggs, which I know if you sort by points percentage, they are already, but maybe at the end of this month, and this is potentially too optimistic, but Maybe we're talking about them grabbing one of those divisional spots by the end of this month because Vegas is faltering. L.A. has kind of just been mediocre for the last month. Maybe there's a door opening here for the Oilers to get back into the mix for not just a wild card spot, but one of the top three places in the division. Oh, yeah, I don't think you can rule it out at all. Um, you know, they're 10 back at Vegas with three games in hand. Now, they still got, you know, you got to win your games. And, you know, but Vegas, now the orders, what's going to be difficult for them is uh, once you get to February, from February 6th to the end of the season, they play 37 games in 72 days, which is more than one every, just above one every second day, right? So it's a condensed schedule for sure, but uh, they will definitely enter that pretty rested, right? When, when I And it's funny, most of the enemy owner players, they don't look that far ahead. Right? When I was asking Zach Kyman if he'd ever played a Thursday, uh, a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule for a whole month, he was kind of like, what are you talking about? And then I explained it to him, he's like, oh. And, it was, and they were kind of like, well, geez, we just had a break, and now we're having another break, and then we have more breaks. Like The players do like to get into a rhythm. It's You want some rest, but it's, the schedule's almost too much rest in January and then not enough the rest of the way. Yeah, I think one thing that could maybe be considered encouraging, I don't know the exact numbers, but their schedule down the stretch last year was pretty condensed as well, right? And they flew through that. They were the best team in the NHL from March 1st onward. So maybe this is a team that likes getting into a bit of a rhythm. The only thing that really concerns me about that is the goaltending because you need to keep Stuart Skinner rested to some extent and Calvin Pickard's been great 904 he's done exactly what you could ask of him since coming up from Bakersfield but I wonder if maybe this schedule in January where Skinner can stay rested you can play Pickard against some weak teams is does this have the potential I guess would be my question to lull them into a false sense of security with their goaltending and sit there in February and go Goaltending's not a problem. Look at how we've, we've been rolling for the last six weeks when once the schedule picks up, it might expose some flaws between the pipes again. Well, the problem is, what's the solution? A trade is the only solution. No, I know, but but who's who's the solution? Like, who, who is a goalie that you're like, oh, yeah, we get this guy for sure he's consistent? Yeah, and I think that's maybe part of the problem. James Reimer would be the one answer to that if Detroit's goalies get healthy and all of a sudden they're willing to move on from Reimer outside of his season in San Jose. He's been nothing but consistent throughout his career. So Reimer's maybe the one option, but everyone else carries some risk. Vamelka would carry risk. Blackwood would carry some risk. So aside from Reimer, I don't see a great option on the trade market. No, no, not at all. That's the, uh, that's the challenge uh, for Edmonton. And no, cause there's lots of other teams like Edmonton. They might have to roll the dice like Vegas. I don't think anybody in Vegas thought, hey, guess what? Lauren Bersois and Aiden Hill is going to be our championship uh, goaltenders, 
right? They had Thompson. He got banged up. Uh, they really won the cup with the guy who, who had started the season as their number four goalie. So, you know, it, it's such a voodoo position. The way the orders are playing team defense, it will make it easier. I thought Stuart Skinner, though, last night, just like against L.A., Stuart Skinner was great against L.A., and I thought last night he made some key saves at key times. He didn't have to be the first star by any stretch, but he made some very noticeable saves. And I look at Skinner uh, in that month, though, of February to April. It's not so about Skinner to me. I'm not really worried about him. It's just they're, they're going to need a backup who plays 15 out of those 37 games just because you, you can't play Skinner that much more just based that they got a lot of back-to-backs anyway. But that to me is a, you know, Calvin Pickard or do we see Pickard, Campbell, Rodrigue, all of them at different times down the stretch? We might see that. Yeah, and again, that kind of goes to why I've been, I wrote about this on the site, but I think I would give Rodrigue, assuming the next two weeks go well in Bakersfield for him, I give him that game against Columbus at the end of January. I just look at it and go, if one of those guys is going to catch lightning in a bottle, why not take a stab on the young kid with all the upside and give him the look against Columbus? If he passes that test, great. You roll into February, find a couple spots in February to start him, and maybe he can be that guy for you. Like, it's not insane to think a goalie of his age can step into the NHL. There are guys in the league right now. Lucas Dostal was picked after him, and he's playing games for the Ducks. Sam Erson was picked after him in that draft class. Joel Hofer was picked after him in that draft class. There's a couple more names as well that I'm blanking on, but there's a lot of guys from that draft class picked after him playing a meaningful backup role in the NHL right now. I don't see why he couldn't do it. No, it's fair. They they can look at I, I think the one concern they have is roster management. To bring him up means you have to send Pickard down. And then you expose Pickard to waivers. And let's say and you know, there's lots of desperate teams for goaltenders who say, Hey, we'll take a chance on Pickard for two weeks or three weeks. And then Rodri comes up and he's not ready. Well then what do you do? Yeah, then you've kind of shot yourself yeah. in the foot. I like Toronto, I could see maybe claiming him just because who knows what's going on. And Pickard's thing too is that he's cheap, right? Like yeah. Comrie and Sampson have cleared waivers, but those guys have some money and some term on their deals in the case of Comrie. So, or Samsonov has the money. I think Comrie has the term. So that would be the concern. You'd have to see how the next couple of weeks go. And I, I mean, hey, if Calvin Pickard's going to keep playing with a 905 or better save percentage, maybe there's no reason to bring up Rodrigue. Well, if Pickard keeps playing well, I, I think it, it allows them more time. Uh, to consider it, right? The trade deadline's on March 8th. And really, when you get into mid-February, you know, if Pickard has played well, you know, you, you can buy time to say, yeah, we can wait. Because, like, you look at last year, Matthias Ekholm wasn't on the market in December. He wasn't on the market in January. Really kind of came on the market a week before, and the GM found him. So, you know what, maybe there's a goalie out there to do it. But the, the goalie position's different because you just look, there's, you know, any team who's in the race isn't trading a goalie. Like, obviously, UC Soros, if you could somehow convince Nashville to trade him, well, then everybody would be looking to get him, right? I, I don't think Nashville, especially right now, because they're a playoff team, right? Um, you know, there's Veg Melka in Arizona, maybe, right? Would they be willing uh, to part with him? But if you're Arizona and you're finally in a playoff race, do you even want to risk doing that, right? Like, it's so that's the hard part about the goalie position is you, you almost need to find, and, and it's been proven in lots of places, is to kind of find that that hidden gem that no one expects. And you might not even expect him to be that good, but then he comes here and he's really good. Yeah, I mean, Corpus Allo last year had some weight behind his name because he was having such a good year in Columbus, but he went into L.A. and gave them some some quality starts down the stretch. 
What about, I mean, just Ekholm. The Ekholm thing and him coming out of nowhere last year always has me thinking to those bubble teams who could just fall out of the race a bit too much in the next little bit. And Minnesota is really struggling right now. They've lost three in a row. They're back below the Calgary Flames in the standings, tied with them on tied with them on points percentage. And I get the fan base fired up with a little Marc-Andre Fleury talk, Gregs. <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Pending UFA. If yeah. Minnie's out of it, and he's sitting there going, hey, look, I'm 39. I know I'm not coming back next year. Give me a chance to go on a run somewhere for two months. But but the thing is, if you're acquiring Fleury, are you acquiring him to be your starter in Edmonton? I don't think so. I think you might. But again, with all those games you play and what we saw last year in the playoffs, you need, you're need you going to need two. Oh, yeah, two, you need so. two probably. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the risk with Fleury is even if Minnie retains half, like Edmonton doesn't have 1.75 mil, right? They'd have to they'd have to get Mini to take somebody in salary. Like, sure, you'd take Picker to whoever just to clear out the salary to to do it. But you know, where do they clear out that other million? That's the challenge for the orders because they have no cap space. Yeah, and I talked with uh, Frank Saravalli on my show today, and he still kind of said even if the Oilers don't think they need to add a goalie at some point, the biggest hurdle for them ahead of the deadline is getting out of Jack Campbell's money. That 3.85 oh. million of a buried cap hit. If you don't get rid of that, like. What are your other options? Because Cody Cece's at the beginning of the year, you might have thought of Cody Cece as a guy you could move out to clear money, but you can only do that if a D-man's coming in. So that doesn't really help. Warren Fogle's playing so good, he's outperforming his contract all of a sudden. So you probably don't want to trade Warren Fogle either. No, I don't, I don't think so. Tyler Ramchuk joins us. You know, the Jack Campbell one is, as I said, all, trading Jack Campbell is, ex- is extremely difficult. Not impossible, but it's very, very hard because of how much money he's owed. For three more seasons after this year, like obviously the longer you wait till the deadline, it just lowers how much money he's owed overall. And it's really to me, if I'm at the teams that are acquiring Jack Campbell, they really aren't caring about his cap hit. Their their owners, it's convincing their owner to pay the actual salary owed. Right, that's going to be the challenge. And convincing your owner that somehow taking. $5 million for the next three seasons combined with the future assets is going to be worth it. But again, even when you talk about attaching a first round pick plus to Jack Campbell, what's that pick late twenties in all likelihood for the Oilers bottom seven, eight picks of the first round. Like it, even just their first round pick doesn't hold a ton of value to these real bu- rebuilding teams in that conversation. Cause the Oilers first rounder is right around where the, the Sharks and whoever's second rounder is going to be. So it's a tough one. I, I don't know how you do it with the full 5 million bucks. It, it's going to be next to impossible. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Dylan Holloway sent down today. The, uh, the Bakersfield Condors uh, play tonight. Then they play uh, on the weekend twice. Then they play the next weekend and the following Tuesday. I looked at the schedule. Um, even if he stayed up in Edmonton, the orders play five games between now and the 17th of January. If he doesn't play tonight in Bakersfield, uh, then he'll play five games in Baco for the 17th. So it's really not much difference as far as actual games played because orders have a really light schedule. The difference is the minutes he'll play in five games in Bakersfield compared to five games in Edmonton is likely could might be double, if not more. Yeah, I think that's why this is an absolute no-brainer from the organization. Like, your team's rolling right now. It's not like you're itching for secondary scoring or whatever. It's not like Dylan Holloway has 10 goals on, had 10 goals on the season when he went down and he was a huge part of the lineup. I think at some point, he should come up and get a meaningful chance to play with some skill. But for now, let him go get his reps. Let him go get his confidence. There's no sense in having him come and try to knock off the rust playing seven eight nine ten minutes a night at the nhl level let him go do a playing 20 minutes a night 
down in Bakersfield. The one thing that'll be interesting to me, and I don't know if you have any insight on this, but what about the idea of trying him out as a centerman in Bakersfield? Ryan McLeod looks like he's a winger now. Your third line center spot, I don't think you can roll with Derek Ryan there for the rest of the year or Derek Ryan and Sam Gagne both being centers on the roster at the same time. But I'd be intrigued to see what Holloway looks like as a center. Yeah, you know, you could do it. I I, I do think when, when he comes up here, having having talked to the head coach, now, if you're going to try him in Bakersfield at center, that's the only way I think you might try him, uh, you know, because I know I threw it out yesterday on the show, and then, I, you know, I was thinking about it, and I talked myself out of it afterwards uh, um, watching the game. I was like, Oof. you know, because uh, it's it's a lot to ask a guy to play center when he hasn't played center in a while. So if you play him in Bakersfield for five or ten games – then I think it's more likely. If you don't and you play him at wing, then I think there's zero chance you'd throw him in at center in the NHL. You'd probably play Yanmark there ahead of him. And then, again, to go back to a deadline conversation, if you're going to... Ryan McLeod clearly looks better as a winger. 3C has to be number one on your list if goaltending isn't for something this team needs to upgrade ahead of the deadline. Because <laughs> I don't think you can go down a playoff run with Yanmark and Hamblin as your three and four centers. No, no, no. And I'm still not sold that Ryan McLeod's a top six winger. I, I know that people are yeah. loving it right now. I think if Ryan McLeod is your third line center, you got a really good third line. I think him gaining confidence and, you know, learning some things by playing with Leon Dreisaitl only benefit him and benefits the team. But I, I still say come playoff time, Evander Kane is in my top six. That's just me. I could be wrong, but uh, that's how I view it. And I don't necessarily view uh, Ryan McLeod as a lock as your, as a top six winger at this point. He might be. But then you're right. Uh, they, then they, they, I thought even with McLeod, they were still looking to add another center. So uh, now they would be looking to add one and just be a guy in your third hole instead of your fourth hole. Yeah, I think I agree with that too. This McLeod-Fogel little run in the top six has been unreal. I mean, it's fueled the first five games or four of the first five games of the winning streak. But when you get to the playoffs, you need Evander Kane to be one of your best players. And when he's at his best, he is one of their most impactful forwards. Having him on the third line doesn't make a ton of sense. But for now, I mean, he kind of has had a bit of a roller coaster season. So I don't disagree with keeping him on the third line. But at some point, you need to get him back humming with one of the big guns. Have yourself a great day, uh, Ty. We will chat with you next Wednesday. No, we chat tomorrow with the DFO Rundown. I always like get. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. 